uh, she was a, a woman, or actually a young girl at the time, of incredible faith and obedience, and uh, it's good to honour her. Um, she was told by an angel that she was going to have a baby. Pretty hard to imagine what that, what was going through her mind then, isn't it? Really, really difficult. Um, I mean, <coughs> angel and all that, yeah, but wow, going to have a baby and God's going to be the father and yeah, what, what was she thinking? It's, it's hard to know. And um, then she went uh, to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who was heavily pregnant with uh, John the Baptist. And, and when she got there, these two pregnant ladies come together and uh, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit when she met with Mary. And she explained in a loud voice to Mary, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of the Lord should come to me? So she's filled with the Holy Spirit, and Elizabeth knew, You're pregnant with the Son of God. She knew it. As soon as the sound of your greeting touched my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Baby John the Baptist in a month's word goes crazy. Filled with the Holy Spirit too. Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said will be accomplished. In other words, Mary, you are blessed. Now it's this next passage that I really wanted to bring out today. I don't know if you can, can you get the oh that'll be put Netflix on. Um, uh, Luke one forty six. And that can work or not. Sorry about this. It's, uh, it's people call it the Magnificat, which sounds like a really nice cat, but that's not what it is. Um, it's like Mary's song. Her heart was filled with joy at this moment, and she bursts out, and she says this great thing. Uh, and so we're going for Luke one i I'm just stalling here. Um, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him, from generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Mary, uh, this is an incredible prayer, really. Uh, people say, and it's probably true, that she was still a teenager. I don't know how old that means. Maybe 16, maybe 18, maybe 19. But she was a young woman who had an incredible faith. And she, at this point, she, she shows this, uh, this faith. She marvels at something which 
What I'm trying to do today is just talk about the opposite nature of God and what he's like compared to what everybody would think he's like. And Mary got this right from the start. My soul glorifies the Lord, that's verse 46, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. He's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. For now on all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. She's rejoicing because she knows her humble state. She knows her insignificance, actually, in this world. She gets that. And yet she realises God has chosen her to bear his son. She was a normal young lady. She was nothing special before this moment. She was just a teenage girl going around teenage girl things in first century Israel, which we don't really get. But she probably wasn't looking at Facebook and stuff like that. Um, but she was from a normal family, insignificant in this world, from a normal town. Later in, the, in, the, in verse 53, she said, He's filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. In other words, she's not a rich person. In fact, she describes herself as hungry, as someone who doesn't get enough food sometimes. And this is the mother of the king of kings. She knew in her humility, there's nothing she deserved to do this. She knew that this displayed the nature of God who blesses those who are unnoticed, who blesses those who are even belittled by the world. He blesses them and he does great things for them and she gives glory to God. She gave birth, Luke tells us in another place, to a firstborn a son, wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So Mary gives birth to the king of kings in a stable. A place seemingly not fit for a king. And I actually wonder if she would have been surprised at that because again, she understood her humble state. She knew, she understood what God was like. And it's unknown, was there anybody there to help with the birth? Was it just Joseph? Uh, we don't know any of that. Um, everybody was pretty busy because they were doing their last minute Christmas shopping. That's why they, uh, there's no one there to help. That's a joke. <laughs> Get it? Christmas shopping? Um, yeah, um, and putting their roast on and stuff like that. And this birth is not like the Lion King, you know, where the whole assembly is there and they walk out with this king, you know, hold it up and everybody bows down in worship to this king and all the leaders bow down and everybody. It's not that scene. There's a donkey. There might be other animals. This is, this is the most humble of births for the greatest of kings. Laid in a feed trough with straw. Mary goes on in her prayer in verse 50. She says, His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. She understands. Who does His mercy come to? Those who honour God as God. Those who fear Him. Those who glorify Him as first. From generation to generation. In other words, she knows it's always been that way. That's the way it is. People who live by faith. You see, actually, before a person can be saved, God actually has to take them to a point where they're humble. He humbles people. 
It brings conviction of sin, which, which humbles us, doesn't it? It brings us to a place of repentance, where we have to change our mindset from what? From us being glorious ones, held up like this, to us being born again in a stable, in a sense. God takes us to this place where we're lowered. He takes us to a place where it's not all about us. Can you see that? That's what I'm saying in the heart of what Mary's saying is, it's not all about me. She glorifies God. She is the humble servant, she says. Actually, that's, God does that to all of us. He takes us to the point where it's all about us to we serve others. We don't want our desires anymore. We fear God. We put Him at the centre. God's always been on about that. It's always been about faith. It's always actually been about a simple trust and belief in God. She goes on in verse 51. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. That means his strength. As you can see, that's a good example of strength. Um, he, he has scattered those who are proud in, his inmost, in their inmost thoughts. In other words, not just those who are proud and you can see it. Those who are proud on the inside. Oh, that hurts a bit. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. Now, actually, there's a, uh, a verse that's quoted often in Scripture. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God lifts up the humble. So, you get a great example of this. There's these shepherds out in the fields, doing what shepherds do, look after sheep. I don't know if it's a cold night or a hot night whether they were sitting around fires or what they were doing, but the lowliest of workers, living rough, and he sends an angel, followed by thousands of angels. I'll read the story. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, watching over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you great, uh, sorry, good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, the Saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. All of this glory did not come in Jerusalem, in the capital city. It didn't even come in the temple. It, it didn't happen in front of the priests and the religious leaders. and the thing. It happened in front of shepherds. God's turning everything on its head. And he's actually shown what's always been the way. He lifts up the humble. He glorifies these shepherds in a sense, doesn't he? How good is it to be a scummy old shepherd looking after stinking old sheep? It's good. Yep. But he scattered those who were proud in the inmost thoughts. He brings down the rulers. See, Herod was number one, and he knew it. He was king. And, and Herod, and, and historically as a man, not only did he do this massacre in Bethlehem, killing the babies, but he, he had one of his sons killed because he thought he was trying to take over. He had his wife killed because he thought she was trying to take over. He was a very insecure psychopath, basically. And anybody who stood against him, he... He had a history of putting him down. Why? Because all glory is mine, he was saying. And that's not where the Son of God appeared. But you can see, Herod was a man who would not fear God. 
So, when the wise man came and he and said, Where's the son of the king of the Jews born? He he hatched a plan to try and kill the Messiah. He really didn't fear God. Now these wise men had worked out by the stars, which really by the revelation of God. You don't travel fifteen hundred Ks on a camel because you understand stars unless you're really convinced. And you're only going to be really convinced when God puts it in your head that that's the way it is. So here's these guys. They travel 1,500 k's and they arrive where? Well, they go to the obvious place, don't they? They went to the palace. That's where you go. A, a king's been born in King of the Jews. Where's it going to be? It's going to be, You go to the palace, don't you? In the capital city. Where else would it be? There was no baby there, just this scummy old psychopath. And so they asked the, uh, the, the teacher of the law, where's the Messiah to be born? They said Bethlehem. So they headed there and you know Herod had a bit of a plan which never worked out. But they go to worship this king. Now understand who these are. These are foreigners. These are not Israelites. They are from Babylon. Isn't that, the God's, isn't that God's enemies, Babylon? Always opposed to him. God's reminding the people that he had a plan which had always been for the whole world. It wasn't just for Israel. Israel had got all inward and thought it was all about them. But Abraham was promised uh, right back at the beginning, through you and your descendants, all people on earth will be blessed, including the Babylonians. God's plan was for the whole world. God's plan was for us. St. George, Australia. Nowhere near Israel. And we know that we are part of this because Jesus was born in a stable, in insignificance. He wasn't born in that palace. You see, if, if Jesus had been born in the palace, we would go, yes, he's king over there. But you see, he lowered himself and he was part of everybody. We can relate to this. We know that salvation is not just for the Jews. It's for foreigners. Now these foreigners came with gifts. Gold, which was uh, significant of being a king. Frankincense, it's significant of being the priest, uh, the high priest. Mediator between God and man. And myrrh, that was the wise man who thought, I don't know why I've brought this because it's a pretty sappy present. This is a present which is spices for a corpse. Thanks a lot third wise man. <laughs> yeah, he should have bought a fruit pudding. Um, but no, uh, but you see, it was a sign that right from the start that ultimately God, this son of God, this king was to die a humiliating death. He was born to die. He was born to be a servant, bearing the punishment for sins that he hadn't done, but the sins that we'd done. So God himself had humbled himself and he ultimately humbles us. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right from the start, this story of the King of Kings was not a story of the King of Kings. It was a story of the lowly King of Kings humbling himself. And so, again, I'll say it. We are humble when we come to faith. And ultimately, we all cry out as we're humble. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour. Can't do without him. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. I'm blessed. 
I'm the son of God. For the mighty one has done great things. Holy is his name. So the wise men came. They worship these rich men. Worship this little baby in his humble state. And they ignored Herod's plan to identify the Messiah so he kill him. God has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers. Herod is no more. Jesus is still. And Mary finishes the song with, He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Now this is again incredible humility because she's saying, I'm part of a bigger plan here. You see, when God does something for us, it's all about me. No, it's not all about me. He's, she's saying, it's all about you. It's all about your plan, God. And it's been there from the beginning. From Abraham and his descendants' time and our fathers and all the generations. She didn't say, I'm mum of a king, by the way. Got my badge on. Yep. It's all part of God's plan. He's remembered Israel and she knows she's part of a big plan. And this event was God's promise. God's fulfilling his promises he'd made 2,000 years before to Abraham. God always fulfills his promises. That's what she's saying. Mary's song shows us that she understands the way God works, not the way we expect, but not the way we want. Because we want to be lifted up, don't we? But the way that he brings salvation to the world. Now for us at Christmas, I just want to finish with this verse. He has filled up the hungry with good things and he sent the rich away empty. You know, I think all of us at some point get a real feeling for our insignificance in this world. You ever, you ever sitting on your bed and you think, yeah, you know, if I were to just disappear off the face of the world, I don't know, you know, a few people around would, close to me might notice, <laughs> maybe be a bit sad for a little while, but really, what, what am I? Do you ever get that feeling? I mean, I know I'm important to pay taxes because people need that money, you know. So for other people, you know, I'm... I'm uh, but... And, and so what we can do with those thoughts is, right, I am going to uh, become rich. I'm going to become powerful. I'm going to change the world. Don't you love when people say, I'm going to change the world? Really? Seven billion other people trying to change the world too. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to have a legacy. I'm going to be remembered. I'm going to be honoured. I'm going to be adored. To be great. That, that's our desire when we see our insignificance. Make it big so everyone knows me. But you see, in this song of Mary, we see we can be filled with great joy knowing our insignificance. We don't have to strive for the glory of the world. We can just be happy being Farmers, builders, hey, sometimes even out of work. Mothers. Doesn't Mary glorify motherhood? What a, her, her great calling to raise the Son of God. We don't have to be great, wonderful people. Because what this brings us to is this place of insignificance, full of the fear of the Lord and joy and peace. And humility and repentance. Where we don't lift ourselves up, we'd say, no, we turn to God. Simple trust. Because you te- I can tell you, those people who are striving for, those, for the glory, 
are so insecure because they never get it. And if they put their security in that, they're going to lose it. But in this state of loneliness, we can be at this place where we are filled with the glory of the Lord. It shines all about where we are. Because actually, you know, this we're surrounded by angels. Even when we're foreigners and strangers in this world. What I'm saying is, we can sit in our lowly place. In our place, I say sitting on our bed, sometimes it feels like a stable. Sometimes it feels like a cold hillside. Sometimes it feels lonely. We are strangers in this world, but we have everything and we know it because of the grace of God. Shown to us at Christmas. Shown to us through this baby. God is for us. He's with us. He loves us forever. And He has prepared an eternal kingdom for us. To be with Him. To be children of the Most High God, even if we're never glorious in the ways of this world. Thank you, Father, for this message we've heard this morning. And we thank you especially for Mary, for her humility, her obedience. And, Father, I pray that we could learn more and more to be like that, to not glory in the things of this world, but to glory in you and in all that you've given us. And, Father, I pray that we'd go on our way this Christmas just to be able to sit on our own, sit with our families, to enjoy the simple things of life. And, Father just to be content, to be satisfied, because you are everything, everything to us. To fear you, to honour you, and to love you with all of our hearts, souls, minds and strengths. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to finish.